It's always hard to follow something so climactic. <laughs> it's almost anticlimactic. Before we start, you know, Afif and I were talking out there and just realizing, can, can I ask you a question? How many of you in here were not born in the United States of America? Can you, can you look around just... Do you see how many people were not born here? We are very multicultural. So his song is about the new Yerushalayim, because Yerushalayim, Jerusalem, means the city of peace, which we know that this one here is not the city of peace so much. This is what it will be like. Different shades different heights. Hopefully I'm taller. <laughs> it will be beautiful. And just thinking about that, I mean, we are very multicultural here, and that's awesome. Sing with me. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Father in heaven, praise and honor and glory be to your name. Great is your faithfulness. Great are your words. Transform us. May we reflect your character wherever we go. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Money changes everything. I was reading recently about winning the lottery. I am not envious about people who win the lottery. And you know, there, there are people that have won multiple times. They've actually sort of made a science, and I don't know how it works out, on how to win the lottery, or at least they're, they're duping people into thinking, hey, you can win multiple times. But what I've read is that, you know, if you take lump sum of the lottery, it's about 39% automatically, you, that goes to the government. 39%. So if it's a million dollars, how much is that? $390,000. Okay, good. You guys know your math. But they said that it is more likely that you will lose more money to lawyers when you win the lottery. Because here's the problem. And it seems to be more with this than in other court cases. That verbal agreements can stand. For example... If Patricia and I were in line at a convenience store and she was buying the lottery ticket, because I wouldn't be, if we were there, <laughs> bus, <laughs> if we were there and Patricia just looked at me and as she's buying the ticket and she said, if I win this, I'll give you $50,000, that there, have been, there is precedence that that is a binding agreement even though it was a joke. 
There are people that are fighting court cases on that specific thing. Now, here's another thing is family members that you haven't seen in a long time, you will see them. And people start asking that maybe you hadn't seen in 50 years. Ask, ask, ask. To the point that you need multiple lawyers to fight this off. So when you hear, and I know it blows our minds, when you hear that somebody who won the lottery is now bankrupt, it's not just because they've been frivolous in their spending, which I do think that they probably don't know how to handle that money. But it's because people from every nook and cranny is trying to get a piece of that pie. Money changes everything. Do you guys know who Forrest Fenn is? Anybody heard the name Forrest Fenn? You ever heard of the Fenn treasure? About 20 years ago, there was a treasure, about a million dollars worth, that was buried somewhere in the Rocky Mountains. At least it's claimed that it was buried there. There was an, a retired Air Force pilot who became art dealer, who eventually had, was diagnosed with cancer, and he said, when I turn about 79 or 80 years old, I am going to bury a million dollars just to give people hope. And he gave nine clues on how to find it in the Rocky Mountains. I'm sure Rob's been out there a couple times searching for that treasure. Nine clues. And he said when he was interviewed that all nine clues have been solved, just not in the right order. It's been so close that many people have been within 500 feet, he's, as his claim, of the treasure. And a couple of people have been within 200 feet. The challenge is that there have been people that have died searching for this. At least four known. There's a Randy Billu. He went missing in January 2016. He was found dead later in July. His ex-wife told others that he thought the Fen treasure was a hoax, but he was still searching. Jeff Murphy, at 53 years old, from Illinois, from Batavia, which you know where that is, I do not, was found dead inside of Yellowstone National Park on June 9th. 2017, which is not in Colorado, after falling about 500 feet down a steep slope, searching. Pastor Paris Wallace of Grand Junction, Colorado, told family members he was going to find that buried treasure and later failed to show up for a planned family meeting on Wednesday, June 14 of 2017. He was found about five to seven miles away from his car, downstream. Apparently, I'm finding that it was near water because the last person that's known to have died is an Eric Ashby at 31 years old. 
He was identified as the treasure seeker found in the Arkansas River, um, or is it Arkansas River? I can't remember how you pronounce that. In 2017, um, and then it was verified in 2018, just this year, that he was found 10 to 15 miles downriver from where he had started. They were seeking to find. Now, I think that they weren't seeking for the right thing, and who knows if it's really true, but they were seeking with all that they have, willing to surrender their lives for buried treasure. Let's read the text up here. It's, and I'm going to read from, from here. And it says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, by the way, how many people, for some people that ask? For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. And I'm assuming that everyone is translated into each little phrase there. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, and I'm not, I'm sure he's not saying that you're evil, but if you are of your sinful nature, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you good gifts to those, give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would do, have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. There are four commands given here. They are imperatives if you know grammar. If you like languages, they are imperatives in the Greek. And those four are ask, seek, knock, and then there's one more in that text. Do. Now, we usually remove that text from this, but it follows the context. So ask and you, and it will be given to you, right? Seek and you will find. And these are affirmatives. Knock and what will happen? It will be open to you. And then it says, do unto others what you would have them do unto you. We will come back to that. Do you remember the word that I used in the context of the Sermon of the Mount? What does God want? Happiness. He says, if you want to be happy, I'm going to say it in imperatives. These are commands. Ask, seek, find, do. So we're going to hit ask first. I believe one of my favorite characters in Scripture, by far, is Elijah. And James, the book of James actually says, Elijah is just like you and me. Now, I've never raised somebody from the dead. I have never called fire from heaven. But I've never ran from a queen either. 
I've never been fed by ravens. I've never told a widow that you have one little pile of flour and oil and it's going to last till the flood is o- I mean till the drought is over. But I see the similarities between Elijah and I. But she says Elijah is like you and me. That he's just human with no innate power but he changed a nation. I say that we ask like Elijah asks. Do you remember after he calls down fire, after he prays, God, consume this sacrifice and reveal your character, he goes and he prays to end the drought. And he prays and he sends out his servant And was there a cloud there? No. And I know you clarified, not the first time. There was not a cloud when he sent. He prays again and sends him out again. Was there a cloud? No. Third time? Third time is charm, right? No. Fourth, fifth, sixth. Seven. And it says that that cloud was the size of a man's fist. Now, I don't know if he, I'm assuming he went like, you know, oh, yeah, that's about the size. Like, the cloud was a lot bigger, I'm assuming. I don't, I don't know if there was this little cloud, you know, actually the size of a man's fist floating around. But it gave a rain that actually, Elijah said, Ahab, if you don't leave now, you're going to get stuck in this flood. What James says is you have access to that. You have access to making floods. So start asking like Elijah. You know, um, there are things that I thought were impossibilities. Growing up in my naivety, and one of them was changing prices. I did not know about bartering. I know if you were born in other countries, you know about bartering. I did not. So when I read The Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey and read about how his wife asked a different pizza company to change their price, and they did, I was blown away. So when I was in, because I read this right after graduate school, and somebody gave me the book, and I said, I'm going to try this out. And so I actually called Domino's to find out what their price was. I'm going to call out the places I, but I, but I like Papa John's better. So I know we have this, all this debate on what's the best pizza, and especially in Chicago style. This was in West Virginia, all right? They don't have... You know, Giordano's, right. So I, I call, and I said, I just called Domino's. And they said they'd give me a large for seven bucks. I said, will you do the same? They said, well, we can't do that. I said, can I talk to your manager? Because that's what they told me in the book. They said, talk to the managers. Talk to somebody who actually has power. So I, talk, so I said, can I talk to your manager? Okay, but I know... 
he's not going to say it you know, any different. I talked to the manager and I said, I really like your pizza better, but because I am poor, I am going to go to Domino's unless you match the price. And what was the answer? We will match the price. There was, a, there was a saying that one of the principals that I worked with years ago said, and I will never forget it, no ASCII, no Getty. If you don't ask, you will not get. No ASCII, no Getty. Repeat me. No ASCII? Oh, well, yeah, you finished it. All right, no ASCII. You will not forget that. No ASCII, no Getty. But God wants us to ask boldly. It says it several times in Scripture. Ask boldly. I, I know I've said this before from up here, but you know my pet peeve in prayer, the word that I think is overused and sort of used as this general, what is, what is that word? Bless. Bless Patricia, bless Ed. You know, bless Michelle, bless, bless, bless. When, and have you ever noticed people that they, they actually pray softer when they pray than their regular voice? Like they, they pray a little bit softer. When in Scripture, it actually says, boldly come before the throne. You're his child, and he's giving you permission to do this. Come boldly, pray boldly. And you will see things transformed. 1 John 5, 4, uh, 14 and 15 say this. This is the confidence. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask, what? Anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know, not if we think, if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we had, have asked of him. In Matthew 21, 21, Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what is done to the fig tree, because remember it withered, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done. I've never done that. But I think that's pretty bold. Now, either Jesus didn't believe what he was really saying, even though I know he did, or that can truly happen. And maybe why we don't see greater things is because we don't ask for greater things like buses and gymnasiums. <laughs> Amen. All right. Let's seek. So we ask first. But that is not the only command. Next, you must seek. And I believe that we should seek like the Magi. We seek like the Magi. Do you remember the story at Jesus' birth? And we have a number with that. How many kings do we say? We, three kings. It does not say that in the text, but we assume. We usually assume that because 
of the gifts. Yeah, we think, oh, then there were three kings, these magi. Now, there is debate on where they come from. All we know is that they came from the east. And even there's debate on that because they come from the east and they saw a star in the east, yet they headed west. Anyways, so they, they make it. And what is believed by most scholars is at the least amount that they traveled was 400 miles. At the least. Some believe they were further east. Now, what that translates on foot, if they walked on foot for 400 miles during daytime watch, like if it was all day, it would have taken them about a month to get there. On camel, maybe two to three weeks. If they were following a star at night, it would have taken longer. At least 400 miles. To see a baby king in a manger that they read about prophetically and brought expensive gifts. They sought this on faith. They would not be turned around. Do you remember when that Pokemon phase was? Did anybody come in the church? from the? Do you remember the Seeking Pokemon where you had that app? Do any of you guys know about this? Remember they would go, there was actually near her aunt's, my wife's aunt's house, there was an accident from somebody who was trying to find a Pokemon that was on the side of the road, and they went off the road and got in an accident. It was serious. People down in Texas, people were coming into our church because there was a Pokemon in there, according to their app. And they would not be denied when we're saying, no, there's no, yes, it, it shows it right here. There's a Pokemon in here. It's not real. But they, see, they were seeking it and would not be denied. There was one time where we had to look for Madison, and it was, just, it was probably just a couple minutes, but it freaked us out. In 2015, if you remember, the general conference session was in what city? San Antonio, which is, was very close to us. I mean, it was several hours away, about four hours away. So we went there, and we spent a few days in San Antonio, and we were in the largest meeting room down there where they were doing, well, it wasn't in the, not in the uh, Coliseum there or whatever you call that, the stadium. But remember, there, if, you, if you went down there, there was this uh, area and there was the largest meeting room there and somebody was speaking, somebody, some of the glitterati of Adventism was up there and, and everybody was, was listening and it was standing room only in the whole like auditorium and there was a family member that was there and I wanted them to meet Madison so I took her up to meet them but she had seen a friend and wanted to get back to her friend and so when we got up there she said hi okay and we lost her now if you've ever lost a kid in a group of people it it is frightening because you see how tall she is now. This was three years ago. And we just, we couldn't see her. There was just a crowd of people. 
And we were up at the front of the auditorium. Luckily, my uncle watched her the whole way. Because we went up. I mean, there was this platform that we were looking. Cause, and that was where they were filming. the. So they had these cameras. We said, please let us up there so that we can look for our kid. We couldn't find her. Finally, after, it was probably only five minutes or so, but you know how five minutes with, you know, when you think you've lost your kid, uh, we see my uncle with Madison. We looked where we thought everywhere, except for where she really was. This is how you should seek. Seek as though somebody's life depends on it. In Jeremiah 29, 13, it says this, You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. So you have to seek with what? All of your heart. That's a quote from Deuteronomy 4, 29. It says that you seek with all of your heart. So first, you ask boldly. Second, you seek with all of your heart. And then third, it says knock. Now, I looked in Scripture, at least in the English, and other than these references, there's only one other place that uses the word knock. And where is it? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. So let's knock like Jesus. That's what I think we should do, is knock like Jesus. And, and it'll, come to, it'll come together. Actually, it's believed by some translations that this knock would be better translated as, I have stood at the door knocking. Do you see the difference? I've just been here knocking. I'm requesting admission, not forcing. It is a different Greek word to, to pound. I'm standing there. I'm not going to leave. I guess I'll leave if you tell me to leave, but I'm knocking. And I just want to eat with you. It's closed, but please open up. It means be persistent in your knocking. Don't give up. And it will be open. But here's the crazy thing about this text is it doesn't end with asking boldly, seeking, hopefully to find, and knocking persistently. It says this. If you, if you read it back, the text says this. So in everything, there's a context, ask, seek, knock. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. This sums up the law and the prophets. They're not separate. He says, ask, seek, knock, so that you can do. Did you catch that? We're not just supposed to ask for anything. You ask, seek, knock to empower you to do. Actually, Luke eleven thirteen says it a little bit differently which I sort of like Luke's perspective a little bit better. Luke eleven thirteen, according to the ask, seek, and knock, I'm going to start with, 
Let's start with verse 11. Which of you, of you fathers, if your son asks for a, a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion, which I didn't read earlier? If you then, though you are evil, know that to give the good gifts to, to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you what? The Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So it's not just you ask for anything. This is a little bit more specific. You ask for the Holy Spirit. So you ask, seek, knock for the Holy Spirit. Now, in Luke, it's sort of disconnected because back in Luke chapter 6, verse 31, it talks about do unto others. And it says this, which you read earlier, do, do to others as you would have them do to you. But the context right before says, but I tell you, I, but I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on the one cheek, turn the other one to him also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, don't demand it back. So you ask, seek, knock to benefit others. Oh. And it's not to benefit others like your children only. It's to benefit the ones you don't really like. The people that have hurt you. That's why you ask, seek, knock the Holy Spirit. Because this is a God thing. If you have ever been hurt by somebody, if you have ever been betrayed by somebody, you need to ask, seek, knock to transform their lives and yours. So when Jesus says, he says, you are going to be happier. And I know sometimes we want to hold on to that. If you've been hurt before, this is not trifling. If you've been hurt before, you know how it feels. And you know it's hard to let that go. But actually, Jesus is saying, I want to transform their lives as much as yours. So please ask, seek, and knock that they will be in the kingdom too. This is what I'm going to do to end. I know all of us, well, I'm assuming many of us, have somebody on our heart that we want to see in the kingdom, whether it's a child gone astray or an aunt or an uncle or parent who you just want to know Jesus and that more than anything you want to see in the kingdom. We also have people in our lives that have maybe betrayed us, hurt us, maybe offended us, but Jesus still wants to see them in the kingdom. 
So at this time, I am actually going to make an altar call. I want to ask you, if there are either of those, somebody that's on your heart that you want to see come to Jesus, or secondly, somebody that has betrayed you or hurt you or they also need to see Jesus, please come here and we will pray together. I will give you the next minute to come up here. We will pray over those people as we get our closing If you are not afraid, germophobic, please somehow touch and agree. Grab a hand, a shoulder. Let's pray. Father, praise and honor and glory be to you. Father, we believe in the power to transform. We believe in the gospel. Lord, we are placing these names before you, before your throne, before the altar. I ask that a double portion of your spirit, that you send every agency possible for the people that we care about deepest, for our brothers, our sisters, our children, our parents, aunts and uncles, closest friends that are brought here. We ask that whatever it takes, that you bring them to the throne of grace. Change them. Father, we also want to pray for those who have hurt us, betrayed us, gossiped about us, whether they're family or friends or coworkers. We want to lift them up because we know that you created them in your image. Father, I ask boldly, I ask, I ask that you transform them. I ask that this group here, that we seek them out and that, like Jesus, we knock to help bring them to the throne of grace. Through this group here, through this church here, may other lives be transformed. And when we are reunited with people at your return, may we be surprised at the people we've prayed for. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.